Hi, I'm Maura. I am Jack. I'm Lauren. And I'm Bobby from We Found Adventure. When adventuring into the BWCA with our two young children along, we need a canoe that is safe and stable, even when loaded down with extra gear. Like our baby's pack and play and a week's worth of snacks for all of us. Seriously, nobody wants to deal with a hangry toddler. North Star Canoe's Northwind 20 is a perfect fit for our family. The added cargo space and fourth seat means every member of our family has somewhere to sit while still leaving plenty of room for our gear. It steers like a much shorter canoe, and we found it to be equally at home whether we're paddling a local lake or river, or for extended trips into the wilderness. North Star Canoes, helping you share wonder with your family and proud to support the BWCA and this Boundary Waters podcast on WTIP. Online at northstarcanoes.com. We love canoes! Welcome to the next episode of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm looking at Joe Fredericks. Ah, Matthew Baxley, adorned in your fall winter attire. Well, it is fall in the North Country, which would be a bona fide winter in many other parts of the country. <laughs> but for here, it means a lot of uniquely fall, uniquely autumn activities in the wilderness and the surrounding area. Including smoke trout, wild rice chowder happening at the end of the season as we start to embrace the onset of winter. Exactly. It is a powerful and deeply connected way to live, to be in connection to the land and the season and the changes that come with that connection. So you just mentioned, what are you doing in the fall? What do you, what your sights get set on what? For me, it's the fact that Lake trout season ends September 30th. That's a milestone. Like, that's a thing in my mind on the calendar. September 30th, no more lake trout. October 31st, no more brook trout. Splake, rainbows, brown trout. Like, that is another, you know, milestone in the progression toward winter. Exactly. Hence, the now annual tradition of smoke chowder, smoke trout chowder, Uh which we've indulged in quite a few years now, Mm -hmm. and also hunting season. Indeed, for many, that is an absolutely critical component of, okay, it's fall. Deer hunting November 4th in Minnesota for firearms, that's a big thing. But waterfowl hunting, particularly in the Boundary Waters, is another part of that annual shift from summer paddling into this other time of year. And just like paddling and the different motivations to get out and paddle, there's different motivations to get out and hunt. For some, it is simply sport. For others, it is sustenance and livelihood. Uh, and, and the variety of people that approach this, rec- this activity of hunting also can be quite diverse. The reality is just about anybody can hunt, you know, ability-wise. If you can be in a canoe and get out in the wilderness, you can go hunt waterfowl in the wilderness. But it really requires a mentor to learn how to do it safely, to do it successfully. There's a lot to this uh, experience of hunting and taking home food. Well, and the embodiment of that, dynamic that you're mentioning, Matthew, and describing 
of a mentor and somebody to really show you how to do this safely. This isn't just like, oh, if I don't know how to tie the hook onto the end of my line, I might lose it or I might get caught with a hook. Like, there's that. But when you're dealing with firearms, it's a whole other level. And the stealth aspect of hunting is something that you really need to be shown. And we had the great opportunity to experience that and witness that on a trip into the Boundary Waters. Matthew and I trekked down to Lake County toward Isabella Lake for a day of duck hunting in the fall of 2023. Joining us were two residents from Lake County, Dean Perrone and Bailey Johnson. We arrived to the edge of the wilderness and it was still dark when we parked our vehicles. Within moments, shotguns were being loaded and we were getting ready to depart in our canoes. Clear skies this morning. Not much wind either, and temperatures are in the 30s, low 30s, fog over the river. Quintessential October morning in the Boundary Waters. Getting ready to jump in here. Any expectations on the day for your second waterfowl hunt? Well, I expect to get a duck or a goose, I, and that's my hope, but I think... At the bare minimum, just being out and being with cool folks that I haven't seen Dean since last winter and meeting Bailey for the first time seems like a solid person to be out with. My expectations are already being met. What about the conditions this morning? Well, you know, the temps just really dropped in the last few days, so it actually feels like fall for the first time up here in the Northwoods and seeing this beautiful fog you know, sun hasn't even risen yet. It's uh, just just light out and that gentle breeze blowing the fog around. It feels like the boundary water is in the fall now. It's gorgeous. Light blue, not a cloud in the sky. Little hints of clouds way off in the distance. Little pink puffs on the horizon. It's a beautiful morning. Dean, what's this cold going to do for the ducks? About an hour into the morning hunt, while paddling through a thick area of wild rice, suddenly over a hundred ducks jumped into the air in front of the canoes. Matthew and I were in one canoe. Shots were fired. Dean and Bailey both dropping some birds. Um, yeah, it was just just working through uh, the rice back and forth, and uh, we saw a small flock land, so I was kind of keeping my eyes a little further up. and. I don't know, then 20 or 30 ducks got up and a little ways out, but one was close enough that I was able to drop it. And then the bunch got up and gave everyone some shooting, I think. And I saw Bailey drop one and then a, one came by and I missed it and she dropped it. So <laughs> that was fun. And I missed some pretty easy layup shots that, uh, you know, shooting at a kayak's a little more challenging, but, uh, but yeah, I stayed dry. That was important. <laughs> Not long after the first birds were dropped, we continued upriver, noticing some additional outdoor recreation opportunities along the way. Good walleye hole right here. It's probably nine, ten feet deep right here. Duck hunting. 
good chance coming up around this bend there's going to be some waterfowl there's some swans on the water and last time there were swans which cannot be shot for the record under any circumstance whatsoever there were some ducks right before then a burn area in here Pagami Creek regrowth coming back nice of Dean and Bailey to bring us over here show us this incredible spot in the boundary waters now if Dean would just pick up the pace a little bit we'd get going <laughs> Shortly after this, we continued up the river, coming to a wide bend where we noticed a number of ducks were hanging in the shallows. Dean had gone off in his kayak in search of some additional ducks that he thought he saw in the distance. So we quickly and quietly approached. Matthew was getting ready to take his first shot. And a warning here for listeners, if you're sensitive to the sound of gunshots, you want to hit pause or step away from the radio at this time. Give you a moment to do that before we come back and Matthew tries to get his first duck of 2023. It was the sound of Dean's voice that made the ducks jump and possibly or even likely cost Matthew his first duck of the 2023 waterfowl season. Of course, we had to give Sorry. Dean a hard time about it. I was so close. Sorry. I was so close. I realized that after I... I'm sorry. I was like, so close. No, it's okay. <laughs> you pretty much... There was two coming right at you over your oh, head and you looking me. that way. Yeah, and I would have given them my attention if there weren't ten right in front of me. <laughs> You pretty much blew that one, Dean. I've, uh, <laughs> I realize the, that now. Not the first time, won't be the last. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Where'd they go? I, never, I heard you shoot, but I never saw it. Oh. After a successful hunt, I had an opportunity to speak with Bailey about how she got interested in duck hunting and why she continues to get up early in the morning, wear all this camo, paddle into the boundary waters in the cold just to harvest a duck or two. Here's a conversation in the BWCA with Bailey. Hi, I'm Bailey Johnson. Originally, I'm from Bemidji, Minnesota. How long you been waterfowl hunting? I've been waterfowl hunting for three years consecutively. What do you like about getting out here in the cold and hunting ducks like this? Uh, there's just something primal about it. The, you see those ducks, especially jump hunting like we were just doing, and you see them get up, and it just there's a, a jolt of adrenaline that just gets you hooked the first time you try it. Um, and the payoff afterwards is good, too. So, like, if I after I shoot a bunch of ducks, it's yeah, if I get a bunch of ducks. I, I really enjoy the process of cooking the wild meat and and honoring that duck that way as well. What are you going to do then with these three that you got? These are divers, so I haven't had a chance to um, really play with them that much. So I'll have to look up some good recipes, but I'm thinking for sure if they got enough fat on them, I really enjoy spatchcocking them. So that's uh, that's usually my favorite and trying to get as much fat out of the meat as possible, render that fat, and it's really really good way to cook duck. So, so what do you do? Like, how to, What's the process of doing that? Uh, so typically what we'll do is we'll pluck them, gut them, 
And then what you do, dispatch cock them, is you cut them so they lay flat. If, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so you cut them if they lay flat, and then so they're easier to, to, to cook. You'll cook them pretty high, and then just make sure that you don't overcook them. So you'll, and then at the end you can braise them and whatever. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of a process. So okay. yeah. Cool. Um, and you're 27. Did your family kind of grow up doing all this stuff? I grew up around waterfall hunting, but I didn't get to do it as much as I would have liked. I mostly did upland hunting, so a lot of gro- a lot of grouse hunting when I was growing up. But um, it slowly evolved into into waterfall hunting after I had a, a good mentor show me. Um, that really made a difference, and having having that mentor and that one person to help show you is kind of key when it comes to duck hunting for sure. So. And that's Dean. Yep. Yep, Dean. Dean really got me into it. I got first time, first few ducks were in the boundary waters, and I don't think a lot of people can say that. So, yeah, it it really just set off a passion for me, and I spent too much money too fast to get into it, and I'm really happy with my investments. So, and that being said, though, you don't have to spend a bunch of money to do this. This is a very minimal minimal sport if you really are passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So, do you have decoys and stuff? I have just a dozen mallard decoys, so um, but most of my time is spent on rivers, uh, jump hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What about like uh, the Boundary Waters? Is that a place that has meaning for you? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. It's it brings me a lot of joy to be able to do it in the Boundary Waters to hunt the Boundary Waters because of the resource that we have. Um, it's it's just something that's so special, and you're not necessarily fighting with people you know you're not it's not combat hunting you're not getting out there at two in the morning to get your spot or anything it's very laid back kind of duck hunting and it's very welcoming compared to necessarily the rest of the state so it's yeah it's a really it's a good experience for everyone what about that maybe not so many women do this what are your thoughts about like if you'd like to see more of that or yeah absolutely if you have this you know it it kind of gets down to confidence in the woods and then also confidence in the people you're with. So if you have a good mentor, go for it. You have to you have to get mentored for first, but you also don't. There's so much there's so much information online that it, that is available to us now and women's gear and it's you know, you you're just as good as any of the guys. So like go out and do it. Like if you're interested in it, go out and do it. Um, or find other women that like to hunt. I've seen many Facebook groups that are female-oriented, right? So, and if that's your fancy, go for it. But if if not, just go go shoot with the boys because they will, you know, you might find out that you're a better shot than them. So, <laughs> I think uh, you proved that today. <laughs> no fault, no fault, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of my spiel on that. Like, don't be don't be afraid. Like, if you want to try it, try it. I kind of grew up that way, so never saw my my stature or my, you know, being female a, an issue because it just is something I'm really passionate about and I really love to be outdoors. After stopping for water and some food, we continued with a late morning hunt. There were more birds that were flushed, but none that were dropped from the air. It gave us a chance, though, to talk more about the boundary waters and our personal experiences from the wilderness, of which Bailey has many to share. Yeah, I worked at Clearwater Lodge and for a summer, and then my first Boundary Waters real experience was a solo trip from Ram to Poplar Lake, and yeah, that was a it was a great trip. 
that one portage between Little Trout and Miskwell almost killed me, but I sure learned quick what to, uh, what to not pack. And yeah, that was a really, that essentially got me hooked on the Boundary Waters. So you were what we call a trail kid. Mm-hmm. That connected you to the Boundary Waters. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you end up on the trail then? Uh, I was looking for temporary work, just a summer job, and I wanted to get the heck out of Bemidji for a summer, and at, they ended up hiring me. So I was, it was a really good beginning of the season thing, and I got in pretty quick. So My family and I had traveled up there a few times, but we had never done Boundary Waters trips. And I've always had an you know, affinity with watercraft and canoes and everything. So it just, it was a match made in heaven, really. Always loved Northeast Minnesota, and I had that opportunity, and it was, it really worked out, so. Do you have a preference between solo paddling and, and going with other people? Like, do you, are there aspects of each that you kind of like? Yeah, I do. I, I really enjoy going by myself, at least, you know, a couple nights. I think everybody should do it. Um, it really it allows you to think it allows you to make your own choices and see what works and what doesn't and how to learn to be safe right um, uh, risk management in your own in your own mind is a really important skill to have and I think going on a solo is it really puts that to the test so I love going on solos but also sharing that experience with somebody else is really good too um, having kind of that bouncing of ideas and safety net with other people is good and also you need somebody to take pictures of your fish you catch so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. To, so i like that in order to be able to have the skills to take care of yourself that's a great way to work it out yeah absolutely yeah put them put them to the test everyone can talk the talk but go walk the walk and or paddle the paddle i guess <laughs> <laughs> so the experience for me of being immersed in nature is the the quiet the if, if you've never experienced just silence it is something that you don't get a lot of in everyday life. Most people don't. So being immersed in nature and then also doing these activities with a shotgun can really bring you to a lot of places that a lot of folks never experience. They never think to go to those places because, hey, that habitat isn't good or, hey, that trail isn't cool or that overlook isn't the best. Well, the coolest thing that you can see is different habitat those are those that's the most interesting to me and you're immersed that way and you're fully in nature and interacting with nature when you hunt and being up in the boundary waters you're really really in nature you're the the population there's no there's nobody up there right and that to me is the is the absolute best way to experience it right fully immersed quiet silence and just your simple shotgun walking around and trying to find those those birds, trying to find that little gem that you're going to take from the Boundary Waters. So, yeah. Well, incidentally, I feel like you gave me that experience today because I've, I've, I've looked at this entry point a hundred times and I'm like, I never want to, why do I want to go over there? Yeah. There's, not, there's probably nothing there I haven't seen somewhere else. And now that we're here, specifically because of the wild rice beds, yeah. And so for the waterfowl, it's a beautiful spot. It is. And I would never come here without the shotgun, right. as you put it. Yeah. And it's so, it's, you're right. I think yeah. you're spot on. It's amazing what uh, one simple tool can do, really. So I'm glad, I'm really glad you guys got to come out and experience it and actually see some birds and get some shots off. And oh it's, God. yeah, it's pretty fun. I hope we're, I hope we're addicted after this. <laughs> well, I was just saying to Joe that, um, 
I didn't have to be somewhere, and having not gotten a bird yet, I'd probably stay here till dark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> Perfect. Dean and Bailey were sort of also mentors to us. Now, I know you, Joe Fredericks, you've done a fair share of uh, duck hunting in your day. You were even sort of a mentor to me on this trip. I was really going in as green as it gets and taking it all in from you, from Bailey, from Dean. And I, I don't think I would have done this without that support i would almost hope that you wouldn't in a sense yeah yeah i mean you know i've done this before but not enough i think it's important to know your limits and know what your abilities are and are not and ask for help that is the key to being successful really Mm -hmm. exactly I also want to say we've heard from Dean a number of times over the years, been on some of our adventures, how great it was hanging out with Dean and Bailey out in the Boundary Waters. Good, good folks. (laughs) Just welcoming us in with open arms to show us and kindly, you know, how many shots did I miss on that day? All of them. Yep. And it was just, yep, all right, well, maybe we'll... We'll get another chance here soon. I also love that it was Dean, the most experienced waterfowl hunter of the group, who basically blew an opportunity for you to get one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Dean. Yes. (laughs) That makes me feel even better. Mm -hmm. Even our wise, experienced leader can get excited and maybe miss the mark. That's right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So thanks again to Dean and Bailey for, as you said, inviting us along, essentially, and welcoming us into their experience hunting waterfowl in the Boundary Waters. It's something they do every fall, and it's on their calendar. It's part of this transition from walleye fishing and kind of the the summer vibe into fall, and now we're transitioning into the next. <laughs> and for me, very cold. The new auger will hit the ice soon. Tip off! Run, Freddy, run! I just sing when I paddle. Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true. We're gonna get through to the other side. Out in the night, the waves beat the shore. You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar. Oh, me, rock me in my dreams. You can roll me, rock me in my dreams. So I like to sing, I love to dance. I play the fool if I got the chance. All around the campfire light. All around. Campfire light all round, all round, all round. The campfire light.